And we're back. We are back. Welcome back to the Sock and Shaft Pie. This is now our 12th episode. 12. 12 episodes. Wow. Wow. And every episode we do like, wow. Wow. This, like is a, this has been episode. a long time. <laughs> um, Daniel. Yes, sir. We are coming to our listeners live. You already know this. But listeners, we're coming to you live. Actually, not live. We're live. Right now, whenever you're listening, we're actually saying what we're saying. Yeah, we're everywhere. Surround sound. Whoa. That gave surround sound a total new meaning. Yeah. Daniel, we're sitting in a big lecture hall. We are. Right? How does it feel to be sitting in the location where we will be having our first live podcast eventually months from now? I didn't, I didn't know that. With a live Whoa, audience. Oh, this would be a good place for a How live audience. How sick would that be? That would be awesome. Imagine everyone like just piling in and us setting up shop in the front. That would be Shop, cool. not shop, shop. Ooh, setting up shop in the front and sock. And sock. Ooh. Ah. I like that. How fun would that That'd be? That would be really cool. It's kind of like... Like how like the, like the cheers is like... It's like, yeah. we're, it's like, it's like we're Oprah. <laughs> and we're like... And we're back. And we're like, we, no, and I point to everyone and they go, we, we are back. back. <laughs> That'll be really cool. Cause like, we're yeah, literally next yeah, year we have to do that. that. We should definitely do that. Oh my god, let's get SVP to come in for it. Yo, SVP, if you're listening, or if anyone knows it's SVP, if not SVP, tell him that we have this is the event for him. This, if not SVP, well, we can figure that out. We can figure that out. We have time, man. We have time. S- slow burn. Hey, slow burn. Whatever, whatever that means. I think we all know what that means. I'm not totally sure what that means. Just like, yeah, it just is. Should we just go into the interview? I think we should. We have a great guest today, um, Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay. So, uh, Cleveland legend. Cleveland Browns beat writer, and um, we had a great interview with her. And I hope we hope you enjoy. <laughs> We now welcome to the pod Mary Kay Cabot. Uh, she is a Browns beat writer for Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. She is also an analyst for NBC Sports Network and WKYC TV. It's our honor and pleasure to have her here on the pod today. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. So uh, just so you know who you're talking to, you've got a diehard Browns fan in the room. Like, I'm, I think I'm a little too into it. Like Possibly. The brown and orange scrimmage is the highlight of my summer. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. That's very cool. I'm glad uh, some people are sticking with the Browns, especially people in your age group, because I, I'm afraid that we have a lost generation of Browns fans. So good for you. Thank you. And uh, my co-host, Daniel, he's a diehard Giants fan. So uh, that's that's who we've got with us. Okay. So uh, there's been a lot of talk about the draft recently. So I think I want to skip over that and go into a little bit of a hot take. Ah, uh, yes. It's a little segment we do. I think the Browns could have a top 10 offense in the NFL this year. What are your thoughts about that? Wow, that would be pretty incredible. Um, I think it all comes down to the quarterback play. I certainly think it's possible with Todd Haley, you know, running the show and with all the new pieces and parts on this offense. When you consider Jarvis Landry, Josh Gordon, uh, you know, you still have Corey Coleman. Now you've got Nick Chubb. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, Duke Johnson. I mean, the the makings of an explosive offense are there. So 
Uh, I, I could see it, but uh, the other thing to consider is they all have to kind of learn to work together and they have to get to know each other and they're all learning a new terminology. So it might take a little while to pull it together. Mm-hmm. And also I, you were mentioning the running back position with Carlos Hyde there too. It's definitely a position of strength. And also we got David and Joku set the valve at tight end. We got, we got a great old line. We, I think, um, Austin Cobert, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I think he's going to be a great uh, addition to the line. Um, yeah, it's uh, Austin Corbett. Is his Corbett. Name. Yeah, and yeah, he'll be a great so addition close. to the line. Close. Uh, you know, I think that he actually uh, will end up starting at some point this season. They're really high on him. They really like him a lot. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the starting lineup at some point. So uh, I'm not as tuned into the Browns as my, as my co-host, but – I mean, it looks like they're really building something special. Yeah. Not- oh, yeah. I've been saying it for the past 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> so, so don't trust me on this. But yeah. I, it looks like the, the pieces are there. Like you look at the roster, you're like, whoa, where do these guys come from? And it might take a little bit, but at the same time, like this is not necessarily a build for this year or next year. It's a build for three or four years down the road, possibly when Baker Mayfield can take the reins a little bit more. Yeah, you know, I don't even know if they're building for for three or four years down the road. I actually think that they are trying to turn this thing around as soon as possible. And I would think uh, that they would hope to really be able to win some games this year and then hit the ground running next year and try to actually contend next year. At the same time that they're getting better, you've teams that are going to start to maybe get a little long in the tooth in the AFC North and uh, maybe have some of their own issues with quarterbacks and things like that. So uh, I think they're going to be hitting their stride at the right time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've come up with a little pun Ooh. after the draft. And I was wondering if you could tell me how bad of a pun it is. Does that, does that sound like a fun game? Sure. Great. <laughs> there must be a new baker in town because these Browns are really good. <laughs> Oh, I think we're going to have a lot of bakers, brownies, all those kinds of things over the next uh, over the next few years. Yeah, very, very. Also, like to wash it down, you could get a little bit of juice, Jarvis Landry. (laughs) There you go. Sorry, I'll stop. I'll stop. (laughs) You are on a roll. Yeah. As a Browns fan, when you start talking draft in September, you have a lot of time to uh, get creative. That's for sure. Uh, let's let's hope that that draft talk can be put on hold this year until hmm, maybe at least mid-November. Let's aim for that. Yeah, I love that. So what's a realistic expectation for how many wins the Browns could have this year? Well, I've been kind of saying six or seven, just depending again on how what the quarterback play is like. Now, I think that they will win some games this year by virtue of the fact that they're not going to be turning the ball over at an alarming rate like they did last year. And they should actually get some takeaways or hopefully they will for them get some takeaways uh, to go along with that. So if they can protect the ball and win some of those turnover battles, you know, they'll get your four or five victories right there. So I think they should be able to win six to seven games, at least based on the talent they have. Mm-hmm. And and also, I think one I mentioned the running backs. Also, I would expect Todd Haley to uh, turn into Josh McDaniels a little bit in the fact that McDaniels is so good at getting all of the different running backs with many different skill sets the ball in various ways. And when I look at the um, Browns running backfield, I think 
not only are they going to hand it to them a lot, but I think they're going to be very creative in getting them the ball in different ways. And, and, um, and I was wondering if like, I'm putting myself on the line saying we're going to be good. Like, the Josh McDaniels Patriots. So you think, uh, wow. I'm, not, I'm not letting this Browns offense go. We should move on from the Browns offense. <laughs> well, again, it comes down to quarterback play. And some of the people that I talked to uh, that, that were really familiar with Tyrod um, in Buffalo, you know, they, they still have their doubts. I mean, remember, they traded him and, and they felt that they have upgraded the quarterback position. So, um, you know, I don't think anybody right now is going to put Tyrod Taylor in the category of a Tom Brady. So I don't know if you can go that far uh, with the Josh McDaniels thing, but uh, but I think it should be better. I think there's there are, there's a lot to work with. There's a lot of different kinds of talent, and you've got some creative offensive minds again in Todd Haley, Hugh Jackson, Ken Zampezi. So I think they're going to look uh, to have a little bit of fun with this and to, scri- to try to score some points. Um, I know I know we didn't start with the draft, but I want to talk about the draft a little bit the Browns are the first and the fourth picks uh, obviously we know they went they went Baker and then they got Denzel Ward what are your thoughts what would you have was that what you wanted to see would you have preferred to have seen something else maybe pick Saquon Barkley or go after a different quarterback what, what were your thoughts there well you know what for for whatever reason and I wasn't as sold on on this person I'm about to mention as I was on Carson Wentz in 2016 mm-hmm. but there were things that I liked about Josh Allen and I was looking a couple of years down the road and I saw, you know, a very big six foot five mobile fast quarterback that I thought could excel in the AFC North. And he just seemed almost Ben Roethlisberger ish to me. And I, I watched him at the senior bowl and there were just so many things i liked about him. So I would have to say that, uh, you know, he's the, the quarterback that I would have preferred over Josh Allen. But, you know, the more I see about Baker Mayfield, uh, the more I'm liking about him. I mean, he was very accurate during mini camp. He was, uh, he's got a very strong arm. He's got great football intelligence. So I was more impressed than I expected to be. And, um, you know, if he keeps up like this, they could be onto something with him. Uh, but it will be very interesting to watch over the next few years how all these quarterbacks play out when it comes to Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, uh, Josh Rosen. It's, it's, you know, Lamar Jackson. Uh, it, it will be very interesting to see who comes out on top. Uh, when you get to the fourth pick uh, there, I really thought that Bradley Chubb would pair nicely with Miles Garrett mm-hmm. and that the two of those yeah. guys would wreak some havoc and bring out the best in each other and make it very difficult to, you know, to double really one of those guys and that both of them could end up with double digit sacks. So I was really looking forward to something like that, but I can see the wisdom in drafting what you think is going to be your shutdown corner for many years mm-hmm. to come. And uh the first pick was focused on uh, Baker Mayfield and uh, the fourth pick on defense. But who's someone that you think in the later rounds is someone on the defensive side of the ball that could really flash? Well, not too much later, but Chad Thomas is someone that uh, that I think he showed out well in Brown's rookie camp, made some plays. And I think he's going to challenge for some playing time uh, in the end rotation, maybe starting off at the left end side and coming in there and getting some playing time, maybe stealing some uh, time away from guys like Carl Nassib, Nate Orchard, uh, other sort of reserve pass rushers that they have. So uh, he's somebody that I thought uh, did a really nice job there. And then um, I think Nick Chubb, you know, the running back out of Georgia, I think he's going to be able to come in 
and start games right away. Again, maybe split t- splitting some time with Carlos Hyde, but, you know, he's ready to go. He is, uh, you know, pro-ready. He's played a lot of football, and, and I think that you can just plug him right in there. Yeah, and when I think of Chad Thomas, and you hear 6'6", 280 pounds, uh, and a 4.940-yard dash, that, that's legit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and he made some plays. I mean, he, he got in there and batted down a Baker Mayfield pass uh, at the line of scrimmage, and then Gennard Avery scooped it up, and he's another one. I think he's going to uh, contribute right away on special teams, and he might work himself into uh, the linebacker rotation at some point because he, he showed some things in minicamp. And uh, not to go too much into last year because that was a tough season for all of us, uh, what is – 0-16 is pretty bad. <laughs> like uh, Daniel and I, I think we could coach an 0-16 team, right? Definitely. I think we could. What do you think is one of the main reasons why we went winless last year? Well, two of the biggest things I would point to are uh, a rookie quarterback who really didn't have the supporting cast around him to be able to go out and win games successfully. You can plug in a rookie quarterback into some situations and they can be successful, but usually it's when you have a great defense and a really good supporting cast around that rookie. And the Browns just weren't ready to sustain uh, a rookie quarterback last year. And then the other thing we had, we've already talked about was, were those turnovers. You can't win football games in the NFL if you can't win the turnover battle. I think it's something like 10% of the time, if you, uh, win the turnover battle, you're winning the football game. Well, they never won it. I mean, they ended up way worse than everybody else last in the NFL in turnover differential. And that's what's got to change this year on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, right now it's, it's still a long way away from the season. You know, summer's ahead, long summer. But what are some things you can look for now, like during rookie camp and, you know, you know OTAs that really give you a sense of what the team is going to be like going into the season? Well, you know, I think it will uh, be very interesting to go out and watch the OTAs and see what this whole completely overhauled offense looks like. I think there's going to be speed. I think there's going to be, uh, you know, a lot of talent at, you know, at the receiver position to the point where some of the guys that were around last year are really going to going to have to be looking over their shoulders for their jobs, including a Corey Coleman. I mean, if Antonio Callaway can stay on the straight and narrow and, you know, keep his nose in the playbook and do a really good job. He has the talent to actually steal a few reps away from Corey Coleman. So I think he's, he's going to have to step it up a little bit. And then uh, Damian Ratley, who they drafted, you know, he actually, you know, could press Ricardo Lewis and Richard Higgins for jobs. So there's, you know, there's a lot of new guys coming in. And it's always interesting to see when you put the veterans and the rookies together, who still stands out. Yeah, who, definitely. You know, who rises to the occasion and doesn't get so sort of swallowed up when the veterans show up? Yeah, I, I'm excited to see Miles Garrett. See, you know, because that that guy's a freak of nature. It's like, <laughs> give him yeah. a year of experience, and then you know, just let him go. Uh, so one of our uh, last segments that we want to do with you is uh, another trivia game, or not trivia, but like just like playing general manager. Playing GM. If you would have to take Dwayne Bowe or Kenny Britt, who would you take? Oh, my goodness. That's a great one. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> I, I would take Dwayne Bowe because um, Dwayne Bowe was sort of quiet, soft-spoken, positive, a great quote. He wasn't disruptive in the locker room, and he did not 
uh, do some of the things that Kenny Britt did just in terms of, uh, I would say, sort of, you know, disrespecting or having a strained relationship with the media. It kind of infected some of the other young receivers around him a little bit. And uh, so for that reason, I would go Dwayne Bowe all the way. Great. Um, and then for quarterback, um, would you rather have Thad Lewis or Bruce Gronkowski? Oh, my goodness. That's, <laughs> that's another good one. Um, you're bringing up names from the past. Um, I mean, when you watch week 16 and 17 every year, like. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's almost six of, of one half a dozen of the other with those two guys. Let me say Thad Lewis. I'm going to say Thad because he's an, another one of those guys that was just so positive, so good for the environment, so good for the locker room, uh, just a great teammate. And I and Bruce was probably that way too, but I just had more experience talking with Thad. Uh, from a talent standpoint, it's probably, you know, maybe equal, but uh, I, I let's go with Thad there. Great. And our last question of the day. And we'll end off on a little bit more of a high note. If you had to choose a quarterback, would you rather have 2007 Derek Anderson or Brian Hoyer when we started off seven and three? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to go Brian Hoyer. Let me go Brian Hoyer. I think Brian uh, is a good quarterback who ended up in a bad situation here with Johnny Manziel. That whole thing went down. And I think it all got in his head and messed with him to the point where uh, he just started not being able to be the quarterback that people know that he is. And, um, and then Josh Gordon came back and he just was not right that year. And a lot of Brian, you know, Brian's interceptions were on passes intended for Josh Gordon. So he deserves another chance. I would go with Brian. And that's great because we are a, we're definitely a Brian Hoyer podcast. So. And as a, as a Browns fan, like growing up and seeing all the different quarterbacks that came in, Brian Hoyer was so different. He had such command of the huddle and, and was really good at until Gordon came back at spreading the ball around. And, and I really wanted us to stick with him. Yeah. It would have been very interesting to see, you know, how, how things would have gone. Uh, you know, things could have been a lot different that, that year if the whole Johnny Manziel mania hadn't taken over. Yeah. Well, it's been amazing having you on. Oh, well, thanks for having me. It was fun. I liked a lot of your questions. Those were great. Great. Thank awesome. you. So, yeah, we, we got our creative juices going a little bit. A little bit. Awesome. That was very cool. Great. Thank you. Have Thank a great you day. so much. Okay. Take care. Go Thank Browns. That was great. That was a really good interview. That was awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much to Mary Kay Cabot. That was a very fun interview for us, especially for Alan. Yeah. It, it's, it's so cool when you, like, grow up reading someone's articles, hearing them speak on the news. And and she was like a big part of my childhood. Right. And it was really cool to uh, interview her tonight or this afternoon. Right. Daniel, speaking of a big part of our childhood, LeBron James. LeBron James is a big part of both of our childhoods. You know, from his start in 2003, uh, we were both five, right? You were five or six? I'm not telling. Not telling? Yeah, we're really I, I don't disclose that stuff. Just for the listeners, we're both freshmen in college, so... That narrows it that down. Narrows I'm it 20. Down no, I couldn't control myself. <laughs> you, are, you are 20. I don't know... What is age, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah, what is age? But the point is, LeBron kind of came up through the ring since we were kids, and then has been a star basically our entire lives. Right. And last night may... Not last night, I'm sorry. This past Saturday night may have been like his... <laughs> 
one of his great performances, one of his great moments. Can we of use all the time. word signature. One of his signature. One of his moments. signature moments. Yeah, definitely. And so I was obviously watching the game live, and, and a lot of people were shocked by LeBron's shot at the buzzer. I wasn't. I've done that many times. Yeah, how many times? I'm not telling. Just like my age. Just like. I don't know if I've ever shot that shot. Eight, nine, ten times? Eighteen. Eighteen times? You think wow. he legit practices that shot? I think he practices every shot. He probably does. I don't know if he practices like that specific shot. Going full court, ranging to his left as he's falling out of bounds off the glass. But I think he practices a lot of different angles and different shots. That's kind of what he does with his fadeaway. You know what I think he does practice? is I think he does practice right-hand floaters from the left side. Yeah, he does it a lot. Yeah. From many different angles and length and like distances. And and the crazy thing is, Daniel, like I wasn't that shocked when it went in. I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, my's like, yeah, he's supposed to make that. Right, right. I was like, watch it going, I'm like I like I freaked out, but I was like, Yeah, that's that that's about right. <laughs> Makes sense. Especially and, to the Raptors. And um someone from the Sock and Shelf pod wrote a great piece uh that we Wait, posted who, on who was it? I don't know. Was it, it, was was great... it Alan from the Sock and Shop pod? I think so. I think it was. Yeah. Shout out to Alan. <laughs> I wrote a little article. Uh, thank you, Daniel, You're for welcome. the kind words. Yeah. By the way, uh, while we have this in mind, we have a birthday coming up soon. Oh, no, stop it. Whose birthday? I don't know. Alan wrote the article, but it's Daniel's birthday coming up. Thank you. Thank Daniel, you on behalf of the pod and all of our fans, we'd like to wish you a happy birthday. Thank you. Thank ha- no, I'm not, I'm not going to sing for you guys. Come half, on. Half of our listeners are just like, nope. Could like Alan, like <laughs> even that one pub fake, like, nah, yeah, we're done. You had him jumping. Uh, and another special shout out. We almost accidentally did it last week, but uh, shout out to our mothers. Yes, shout out to our Day. mothers. Yes, shout out to all the mothers out there. Shout out to all the mothers out happy there. Happy Mother's Day this Sunday. You know, I, we couldn't be here yeah. in college and, and, and making a podcast without our moms. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You know? And, um, so it, 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 you know, people out there, thank your moms. You know, they're cool people. Thank you, mommy. Thanks, mom. This is a really emotional part. Love of you. This is the most emotional okay. we've ever gotten. Wow. Daniel, can we take a break? I don't know. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> and dads. We like our dads, too. Dads, too, but that's but, did you know that we're doing the pods over the summer as well? I Daniel, think, do our fans know that? Because Father's Day is over the summer. We have to keep going until then, at least. I mean, Daniel, I, I like to think we're just getting started. I think we're, we're definitely... <laughs> Sky's the limit. I mean, I, I think it's obvious that we'll keep going when we're back at college. But the thing is, you know, I live in Maryland, you live in Ohio. OH. So, yeah, OH. <laughs> MD. No, you um, know what you do? I-O. That's only an Ohio thing? I know. I, I, oh, you do it? Re- no, I understand. I, I'm just not well-versed in it. Okay. But, you know, we'll get there. Speaking of well-versed, one of the greatest um, people that are well-versed in sports, apparently, um, is Skip Bayless. Oh, yeah, Skip Bayless. We, um, we were interested by what he said after LeBron hit the shot. Like, every time something good with LeBron happens, he's like, he's like fingers get twitchy, and he just has to go. So he, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull up the exact quote he said. But he basically said something to the effect that of... That was a nice shot. That was a nice shot if, if he, he called <laughs> bank. What, what do you mean if he called bank? Firstly, clearly he was aiming for the backboard. It wasn't, I don't know. Maybe he's not good. Maybe, maybe LeBron's not good at basketball. I don't know. But at, I don't know. Like if, if, you, if, you call, if he called bank, like what's, I don't know. Well, Daniel, let, let me see this. Let me see what he... Oh, what kind of blasphemy this guy just said. Blasphemy? 
Let's see. It's way back at this point. It's not that far back. He tweets a lot. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he gets a lot of love on his tweets. Yeah, he tweets. How, do, how does Sock and Shelf Pod get that? I think, I think we have to be on okay, TV. Here. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Can I do it? Yeah, sure. That, all caps, was clutch. Dot, dot, dot. If you actually aim for the glass. And, and then he also said, I can't argue with that if, in fact, he called glass. So um, I'm not totally sure what he was meaning to say there. Just it can't tell you my issue. I, I don't know. It's just, he's being a hater for no reason. The dude just hit a game winner. That's not the time. That's the time where you'd be quiet if you're one of the LeBron haters. Can I tell you my um, issue? Oh, by the way, you're right. That's the moment I say LeBron's just great. You know, my my issue is that, like, why do you need to hate? What's love? Right. You know, this is a very emotional podcast right now. Daniel, we're emotional guys. Yeah, that's what it's about. Raw, raw. This is real stuff. Um, but it, it's like there's a man out there accomplishing amazing things, and why are we going to nitpick the small things that might be true? Some of the things he said might be true, right? Regarding why wasn't LeBron shooting the free throws and not Jeff Green and like LeBron's okay? But guess what? LeBron knows he's not the best free throw shooter in the world. It's a team sport, you know? Oh, and, and he Skip is throwing out a lot of praise to Kevin Love. What's the Kevin Love quote right there? He said, Kevin Love is playing the best all-around basketball of his career. Okay, but great. He also said, LeBron James is playing the best all-around, basket, all-around offensive basketball of his career. Wait a second. That seems like a dig. A little passive-aggressive, not Stefan. Oh, Stefan Diggs. Shout out to Stefan Diggs. UMD, DJ Moore, come on. Um, <laughs> and and I, here he's trying to – we can like do like a real deep dive into Skip Bayless' Twitter, maybe over the summer. Inside the lines. Inside the lines. Skip Bayless doesn't seem to like LeBron, but possible mini hot take. I think Skip Bayless actually loves LeBron, and he's doing this all for content. I mean, I'm listening. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. We're on Skip Bayless's – are we on Max Kellerman's? No, we're not. I, What's Skip, Max Carmen up to? Okay. No, Skip Bayless, he's being a hater. He's getting views. Daniel, Maybe why don't we um, tell our listeners, we, we, we made a fun uh, poll on Twitter, okay? Yeah. We asked uh, our Twitter followers what they think, not ours, but we asked the Twitter followers, uh, what Skip Bayless, what did LeBron ever do to Skip Bayless? Our three options are dunk on him, preferred Max Kellerman, or he didn't name his son Skip Jr. Daniel, what are your thoughts? Um, well, I'm first to tell you what the people said. The people said not name his son Skip Jr. And I think that's an interesting choice. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying t- Skip James. I don't know. Skip James. I kind of like that. Though. Skip James. Skip James. But Bronny, Bronny's better. Whatever. The point is, I I think that I stick with my hot take that Skip Bayless is just trying to do this to you know to. Raise his own profile. And it's I all about the money, money, money. Not even money. It's all about the content. It's all about the content, content, content. There we go. Alan, Alan stopped singing. Everyone just tuned out. Alan had this thing at some point. It was either happy birthday or that. And I think, I, I think we're, we're all glad it's over. That's, <laughs> that's what you think. That, that Who's was, a we, Daniel? <laughs> there are two we? of us Who's here. Who's we? The, the people. The <laughs> Daniel, who are they? I don't know, just our listeners, our, our, our fans. No, just in general. 
They are yeah. always our, fa- our fans. Everyone's our fan. Wait, That's what you have to think by confidence. So we in this pod, we're, we're very um, adamant about air conditioning. We're very pro-air conditioning. We're, pro, we're a pro-air conditioning podcast. 100%. Um, normally we don't take political stances. No, but no, we usually don't. That is a definite. We're very hard line. So when you say we're referring to our fans, are you talking about Ooh. air conditioning or human beings? Well, no, obviously human beings because since we're a pro-air conditioning podcast, we don't really need fans. Like the fans that like that like spin, you know what I'm saying? Love that. All we need are the support is the support, and we've gotten it. Later in the pod, we have a mailbag where our fans chimed in, asked us questions. We hope to answer those the best we could, and you know that's that that's what we do it for. And you know why NBA players play the game? Why do they play the game? Why do they do it for the championship? Right, Daniel. But why else? For the fans. I'm more focused on the championship. On the party. championship, Daniel. Yeah, we got the NBA playoffs, so maybe. The most exciting series in the playoffs in years. Yeah. Rockets, Warriors, what are your thoughts? Woo. So you have the two Yeah, now we're going to go to break real quick. <laughs> no, Wait, this is not about the Cavs? Alan's right. confused. Come um, on, we had, we had so much Browns talk. I thought it was all Cleveland. By the way, again, I know we're getting emotional this pod. I'd like to thank Daniel from the bottom of my heart for um, putting up with all my Browns stuff. <laughs> It's fine. Like when, when, uh, hopefully the Yankees in the playoffs, that, that'll, that'll be a trip. It's cute. It's <laughs> cute. That's what you think. Okay. Tune in to see who won this one. Okay. Um, but Warriors, Rockets, you know, two best teams in the NBA. Two most fire. Why you got to do that? It's not. Triggered. You're triggered because I didn't say the Cavs. The Cavs are not better than the Rockets or the Warriors. They, LeBron could pull one out against them. I disagree. Well, we'll get to that later. Uh-huh. But what Warriors, you- Rockets... Why do we consider the two best teams in the NBA? You know, you have the Steph-Chris Paul matchup. You have KD, James Harden, former teammates. Two most explosive offenses in the NBA. Both teams get up and down fast. It's going to be a great series. And, like, these teams both want it so bad. Chris, Chris Paul always has, like, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder against the Warriors and against Steph. You know, Steph crossed him up a few times really badly. You know, Steph, always, Steph kind of has had Chris Paul's number the past few years, and now Chris Paul has finally made it to the Western Conference Finals. Right, and, and do you think we could talk to him about getting Chris Paul's number so we can have him on the pod? Ooh, so like, if, but then if we have Steph's number, we should have him on the pod. You know what I'm saying? I feel if, like, if I feel like Steph has more, Chris's number. I feel like uh, our relationship with Steph is more friend-to-friend, peer-to-peer. Right, but he And we don't have, have friends on the pod. We have friends of the pod, but not right. friends on the pod. You know what? I hear what you're saying, but I think I feel like it's Steph Curry that we could have a friend on the pod. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? We'll talk about it. Off air. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We never talk about the pod off air though. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> we're taking we're taking you behind the scenes right now. Yeah. No other podcast does this. Ooh. Yes, Alan. Hot take. Uh JaVale McGee is gonna play an important role in the series. Counter hot take. He will. JaVale McGee will get blocked many times by Quinn Capella. What? <laughs> JaVale McGee is like the perfect guy to defend Clint Capella. I think he's the first perfect guy to match up with Clint Capella size-wise. I don't think he, he – Clint Capella is on a rocket ship to start him in my mind. That was punny. Oh, because he plays for the Rockets. I didn't even do that on purpose. Wow. Locked I'm in. I'm always tuned in. Locked in. Um, but, yeah, he had six blocks in game – was it game five against the Jazz? I don't know. Was it game five? No, game four against the Jazz. When they, yeah, How did Joe game Ingles four. play that game? Joe Ingles, I think, was actually really good that game. Joe Ingles. But Clint Capella, he's a defensive beast. He's getting more polished inside. 
I, he might be developing. I think he's developing a uh, mid-range. But he's I also... Hope not. Why? There's no need. Get automatic around the bucket. No, he already is automatic around the bucket. Okay. He's a, a perfect lob catcher. He kind of reminds me of a young Tyson Chandler. Wow. Uh, Chris Paul, Hornets era, Tyson Chandler. Whoa! You see that? I can't wait to watch this series so I can spend more time with Clint. Yeah. What do you mean? Like watching him? Yeah. Oh. Because like, he's not going to be watching the game with us. It, right. Like, he's going to be playing it. And uh, Most likely. Daniel, are yeah. we allowed to talk? Um, you know what? I was going to talk Cavs and their like, matchups and stuff, but we have a mailbag question with that. We do. So um, we'll come back to that later. Yeah. But I wanted to uh, – you, you mentioned Clint. Okay. Right. You say Clint, I think Clint Frazier. That's Ooh. just how my brain works. Clint Frazier of the New York Yankees, formerly, formerly of the Cleveland Indians. High five to that. We're locked in. Wow. Um, yeah, Clint Frazier. The, Yo, it's the playoff ba- time. Baseball is Red Mamba. Because, you know, he's got the. The Yankees made him cut it, but that's okay because we're a classy franchise. And the Yankees, like Clint Frazier's beautiful red hair, are hotter than hot. They have won 17 of their last 18 games. Last Supposedly. Night no, no, like <laughs> factually. They've won 17 of the last 18 games. Stanton last night hit two homers against the Red Sox. Two dingers. Two blasts. Were they, did the fans give him a Stanton ovation? They did not give him a Stanton ovation. But you know what I love? Mm. Every time Didi does anything, he always does a curtain call, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Strikes out. <laughs> no, like, like any homer curtain call because yeah. like, the fans love him. Really? So like, it, let me pull up some of the Yankees' stats right here. While I'm doing, I'm going to talk a little bit about why the Yankees are so fun this year. Wait, they so you think the Yankees are still are good? I do think the Yankees are good because they have the. I would argue that the jury's still out. Okay. Get it? I get it because Aaron Judge. Yeah. Okay. Yankees have one, two, three, four players with at least eight home runs. That's Didi is ten. Didi is one of the league leaders in home runs. The offense is cooking. Yo, they got to trade for a pitcher at the deadline. Why do we need to trade for a pitcher? Look at our pitchers. Look at this. Look at this. Luis Severino, Cy Young candidate, probably top three in the AL in Cy Young mm-hmm. race. Quick shout out to uh, James Paxton on the Mariners, who just had a no hitter yesterday. And in the start before, he pitched seven innings, 16 strikeouts. Wow. That's a, that's a good back to back outing. And, and a really cool component of the James Paxton story is he threw it in Canada and he is Canadian, correct? Yep. Quick update. Yankees have taken a one nothing lead against the Red Sox on Aaron Judge single. But when you're Boom. listening to this, that wouldn't have just happened. That wouldn't have Maybe just happened. Maybe it did. Maybe it did. If you're listening to it during a Yankees game and Aaron Judge does that, that's pretty cool. But right what now. What a smell. Right now, this is during recording. But Severino, 5-1 and one already, 2.21 ERA, and 63 strikeouts, only 12 walks. Wow. Uh, pretty good. Also, we wanted to, on behalf of the pod, send our best wishes to, I think, Jackie Bradley Jr., who got hit by a Roldis Chapman fastball. Yeah, that's, that, that's not probably, probably not a fun experience. I, I've gotten hit by a couple pitches before in baseball. Were they over 100 miles an hour? Um, Better question, do they feel like they were 100 miles an hour? Um, I don't know because I don't know what a hundred miles power fastball feels but like, like. Did it feel like a lot? Like, I've got it hurt. Before. It I've hurt for it. It, it. It's I, bad. I don't think it hurt like a hundred. Probably not. It hit. I think I once got hit on my back. One Ooh. of the one of the more painful ones. That one was okay. I think. Right. I think that happened. Uh, one he, that he just blocked it out. One that stunk though. 
was I once got hit by a pitch in the calf. I had two. Really? It was terrible. I think maybe my right calf. With my left calf. Because I feel How like was it I your body... right calf? Because... For, for the listeners, Alan right now is standing up doing his batting stance. Let's see. How would that... He's wait, how would it hit your back calf? Maybe I like, did like a jump. That's impressive. <laughs> my left. I don't know. Oh my gosh. So... I'm very athletic. What happened with me was, <laughs> I, I was we were facing my school's rival... I was up. I was a junior, and we were facing. There was the the, the other. There was a lefty on the mound. He was a freshman, and I was down 0-2. He, he, he was he was a good pitcher, but I'm like I'm not striking out to this guy. So I see he threw a curve inside. I'm like, this is happening. I'm taking one, and it hit me like uh, at first it was fine. Like hit me right in the calf, like right on the muscle. So I thought I was like okay, it's fine. I was running down the first, and like as I was on the bases, it started hurting so much because it hit right in the muscle and it just got worse and worse throughout the game. I had to switch to third base. For, I was playing second because I couldn't move as much. That was closer to the dugout third? No, it was more like you don't have to move as much in between pitches. Like you don't have to hold anyone on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, unless so, there's a guy in third. Right, but it's still a much shorter, much less mo- movement. True. Daniel. Oh, yeah, that's actually a very good point. Yeah. You played, I thought you played shortstop. I played shortstop. My, I, I, I went second short. Should you have played shortstop junior year? No, no. Shout out to Gil Melkin. Gil plays baseball? Yeah. He's good? Yeah, he's good, yeah. He played shortstop? Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, and then um, we, we, we kind of interchanged because we both pitched also. You know, I, um, what was I going to say? I once picked a guy off of third base. Nice, because the righty, the vantage point. You can I see got right um, my boy Sonny, if I remember correctly. He was covering third base. Um, I was, I'm a right-handed pitcher. And we kind of gave each other a look, mm-hmm. which is surprising because we don't have good chemistry. It's an own thing. Right. Um, we gave each other a look, and I did, like, the, like, lefty pickoff wind up. Right. Meaning, yeah. like, I wasn't even, like, I, I brought my leg up, I looked at home, and then I, like, did, okay. like, the pickoff move. You got him. Got him. Bang! Bang! He gone. Okay, so Yankees and Red Sox are playing right now. There's something, I don't know, it feels kind of poetic when the Yankees and Red Sox are at the top of baseball. It's awesome. Just like they were were in the early 2000s, you know. Obviously, I'd prefer the Red Sox not be so good as a Yankees fan, but it's still kind of cool. Are you serious? No, no. uh, Let me give you a minute. I'm sorry to jump in. Let me explain. I like the idea of the rivalry being strong, but I can never root for the Red Sox to win. That's the distinction. You know what I'm saying? Because if I wanted the Red Sox to be good for the rivalry, then the rivalry is... Inherently weakened by Yankees fans wanting the Red Sox to be good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So kind of like a, a circular. If thing. anyone's listening live, um, which you aren't, let me no know if I should let this go or not. I think I'm going to let it go, but because I kind of agree with you. It, it's it's I, looking at it like not being able to me not being able to control anything. I I like the idea of both the Yankees and the Red Sox being good. Right, but day in day out, you're but like day in day out. I want the Red Sox to lose, and that's part of it. Cool. You know what's interesting with the Cavs right now? Back. Like, Let's go. There used to be a time where, like, I wanted it to be Cavs-Warriors, you know? Right. But now I'm like, nah, I hope the Warriors lose. It's a cool feeling. Like, I want the Cavs to win a championship so bad. And I think, uh-oh, this is a little bit of a spoiler for our mailbag question. But I feel like the Rockets are an easier matchup. Yeah, the we'll Warriors get there. are scary. But, okay. Daniel. I just want to – before, before we um, end with talking about baseball, head into the Story time, Daniel. Story time? Yeah. Well, I just want to tell one story, if that's okay. I might fall asleep, there. But no, but this is a good one. 
Okay. So, Ichiro Suzuki, are you familiar with him? Alan's nodding. Um, so, there's a story that came out about him in 2017. He was, like, scrolling through his texts, and he found that um, he got this text from somebody he didn't know who got his number from, got Ichiro's number from A-Rod, and he's, um, he's like, he, he, this guy was asking Ichiro to, like, if you can meet with him to talk about stretching and, you know, keeping in shape, you know, as, the, as you get older. And um, Ichiro's like, someone's like, who is it? And Ichiro's like, some guy named Tom Brady. Like, who the heck is that? <laughs> and it's so funny. He's like, it's suddenly like crazy about Ichiro. Like, he's so focused on his craft that like, he's not even like, who's Tom Brady? It was, this is 2017. Tom Brady had just won his fifth Super Bowl. Wow. So, like, I think it's a pretty cool story, and that's pretty funny. You so, know, one my that's a great story. Um, one of my favorite moments from NBA playoffs so far is I think it was Joel Embiid was trash talking Marcus Morris or Markeith, which one's on the Marcus? Marcus on the Celtics. Yeah, uh, and he was trash talking him, and Marcus Morris just went three. Oh, oh yeah, three. Was... It's like true, you know. Right. So you know what? Just you know, scoreboard. You know what else Corporate is true? Yeah. Our mailbag is lit this Let's week. Mailbag. Mailbag. Is that our like our intro? Is that our like, intro thing for the mailbag? We have to do that every time. Yes. Let's do it We're one more time. We're doing that every time. Mailbag. Mailbag. So now everyone knows it's the mailbag now. Let's get right into it. Okay. I, I want to start off with this question. Not okay. to pick favorites, but I think it's my favorite one. Um... I think this guy's pretty good at art, whoever sent it in. Yeah. Um, do you think George Springer should be the Astros' leadoff hitter? Or is he a better fit Ooh. somewhere else in the lineup, like second or third? Okay. Do you want to hear my thoughts on this? Let's go. Um, this one actually kind of stumped me. From the perspective, if you look at the Astros' lineup, it is stacked. It is really, really stacked. They got... Usually, we'll go with the usually. Um, they have Springer in the leadoff, Altuve the two hole, Correa three. And uh, no. last night, Yuli Gurriel was four. Basically, they're just no. no. The last night, oh no, today, today Gurriel was three. Bregman was four. Oh, because um, Correa had the day off today. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, but in general. I really like, I think there's a beauty to more of the classic approach to making a lineup. I know they're all the next-gen analytics, next-gen analytics and mm-hmm. things like that, but I think so much of baseball is the purity of it from a manager perspective too, not just the fan. Meaning, I think a team plays better when they've got like the good vibes going, meaning when mm-hmm. they got the guy with wheels in the one hole, the contact hitter in the two hole, the best hitter in the three hole, the power guy in the four hole. Sorry if it was getting a little intense. I'm getting a little heated. <laughs> and and I, I just don't like – it's always weird for me. Let's say someone like Springer hits a leadoff homer. He's had a lot of those. I don't know how many, but he's definitely he's had a lot. He's leading the team in home runs. It's just weird when you lead off the game with a homer. I remember, like, Frankie Lindor's been hitting a lot of leadoff. And it's just, like, hit him two. Put, like, Rajai Davis at one. Yes, I am saying play Rajai Davis every day. And that's why I'm not managing the Indians. Shout out to Terry Francona. Yeah. 
Um, Dan, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I don't know. I kind of like it. I, I mean, it's paid dividends. They won the World Series last year. They had the best, one of the best offenses of all time last regular season. They supposedly won the World Series. They, they definitely actually did win the World Series. Um, and I think it's, there's, something, there's something that mentally takes so like, uh, a springer dinger to start the game kind of mentally drains the, op, the, the other team. You know, the pitcher is like, okay, I'm going to you know, settle yep. into my groove and then makes a mistake in the first batter, gone. That changes the way it changes the whole game. I I agree, and I think one thing to add to your point is that like if I'm a pitcher, and I'm like, shoot, I got to start up the game with George Springer. Right? Did I have I said Corey? No, you've been saying George Springer the entire time. Who's Corey Springer? I always say you think Corey Seager probably. It kind of sounds. It kind it, it sounds right. Corey, Sp- I always do it. Yeah, who's Corey Springer? Oh, Corey Springer. Yeah, I don't know. Sales and marketing at Cal Optics. I don't think that's who we're looking for. Nope. There, there isn't. There, uh, there's no one that in, in sports named Corey Springer. So Daniel St. George. You're in favor. I'm um, in favor, but at, at the same time, you can't really go wrong because, like, okay, what do you what do you do otherwise? You put Jose Altuve there, and like the top. Three but hitters, I don't like the, that either. The, the, the top three hitters: Altuve, Springer, Correa. Their on-base percentage, Altuve is 387, Springer's 356, Correa's 367. That's really, really good. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can't really go wrong with any of those guys at the top because the point of the guy on top uh, in the leadoff role is to get on base. Could, can I make a statement that ruins our credibility? Sure. Um, why, not, why not hit Verlander in the leadoff hole? <laughs> or Charlie Morton? They're leading the team with 500 on-base percentage. And 500 batting average. They do have you know what's weird? I had a moment today where I genuinely thought the Astros were that now. Like, sometimes right. it still happens. Right. It'll, it'll mess with your head. I, I kind of had a hockey moment like that where I kind of so, – sorry to any um, Carolina people, but I forgot the Carolina Hurricanes were still a hockey team. I thought they were one of the teams that switched to, like, the Winnipeg Jets. But I was wrong. That was the Atlanta Thrashers. So Which I was like, team was this? I was just shocked that the Carolina Hurricanes were still a hockey team. <laughs> it was like, cool. I was like – I looked up their logo. I'm like, oh, yeah. Daniel. Yeah. Uh – just to wrap this up, I think in general I don't like it, but when you look at their personnel, it makes sense. Right. The, the, the concept might not always work, but with the Astros it works because the top three guys are – Because they have so many. The top players. three guys are kind of interchangeable. Right. So we, we hope that answers your question. Um, shout out to um, – are we, are we saying yeah. who asked the question? Yeah, 100%. Shout out to Alex Gelman, our uh, amazing graphic designer who uh, designed our awesome logo. And he sent in that question. He's a huge Astros fan. Thank you, Alex. La familia es importante para mí. Yes, I have been working on my Spanish. Guys. That means, Alan just said, my family is important to me. Daniel, why did you have to blow my cover? I didn't have to blow your cover. I don't really know I'm just Spanish. showing that I know Spanish. And I don't, I don't know Spanish either. Because <laughs> well, that's the only one. I, I Alan told me what that means. <laughs> okay, do you want, let's do the next one. Yeah. Um, this one's interesting. Does Golden State, the Warriors, have two, three, or four future Hall of Famers? Alan, your thoughts. Okay. Why don't we go one by one? Okay. okay. Uh, Kevin Durant, Hall of Famer. Correct. Uh, Steph Curry, Hall of Famer. Correct. That's where, this is where it gets dicey. Okay, one second. Let me bring up Clay Thompson's stats. We're going with him before um, JaVale McGee. Uh, uh, <laughs> you never know. Uh, Zasa Pachulia. Quinn Cook. Um, I think Clay's got to be a Hall of Famer. I, I think. I think he has had a – in my eyes, Hall of Fame, and I think in everyone's eyes, it's more than just about statistics. I think Clay has had a 
significant impact on the game uh, from a from an impact perspective on the way the game is played. Him and Steph are a huge part of this century of the NBA. And also, he's one of the best shooters of all time. I, you could argue he is the best pure shooter of all time. Ooh, I would say it's still Steph Curry. But I, I hear what you're saying. And I, also, you can't... Being a key piece of a championship dynasty cannot be overlooked. I agree. I mean, I, I feel that you like if you if you look at the at, at the Warriors' identity, it starts with Steph, and then you have KD being like you know this six eleven unstoppable offensive weapon. But then right after that, you have Clay, who's like part of this Splash Brothers identity that the Warriors have taken over, and also he's the, arguably their best perimeter defender. Draymond is a great defender for his versatility, you know, being able to guard one through five very well. But Clay Thompson is the guy you put on a guard if you want to shut him down, if you're the Warriors. Yeah. So like that's something that can't you're be overlooked. Right. Right. Like, being part of a culture of winning and being a he's a twenty point he's a nineteen point a game scorer for his career. I think that's good enough to get him to the Hall of Fame. So I'd say I'd say Clay Thompson definitely. I agree. And and I think Draymond, you could argue he shouldn't be, but I think he should. because I, I think he is when you think of the Warriors culture, he is their culture. He is the emotional leader. And his stats are amazing. 11, right. 7, and 7. They remind me also, awfully he's still, he's... similar to the stats <laughs> of Lonzo Ball. Boom. Another future Hall of Famer. 10, 6.9, and 7. Just keep that in mind, folks. Yeah. But I think Draymond also, like, you see last night, I don't remember his statistics, but they were dirty. In a good way. Let's, let's 2018 playoffs? No, you scroll down. Continue scrolling. There we go. He had... 19, 9, and 14. Whew. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah 19, 9, and 14. 9 assists, 14 he, points. He has had games like this in oh, some of the cool. biggest yeah, games in Warriors history. I you just know? saw there's this, like, I gotta, I gotta they have a thing called a game score. That's really cool. I gotta check that out. Sorry, this is just a digression. Where, like, they had this thing on basketball reference. Shout out to basketball reference. They're called a game score. I want to see these things. I want to see LeBron's game scores. And also, I remember, I think one of the most underrated things, and as a Cleveland fan, right. don't Back get me wrong, I'm not sad about the Cavs winning the championship. Quite opposite. Wait, did they win the championship? A couple years ago. Oh, they did? About to win another. Um, <laughs> and that was obviously unbelievable. I could dedicate the rest of our podcasts to the championship. Oh, my God. Um, game scores are insane. <laughs> but they, I, I think one thing that was very much overlooked from that game seven was Draymond Green's performance. Let me read you his stats from game seven. Oh, man. LeBron had a 53.2 game Draymond score. Green played 47 minutes in game seven. He had 32 points, nine assists, 15 rebounds. That dude showed up in arguably one of the greatest games in NBA history. Definitely one of the most historic. Right. And one of the best. Yeah, it was a very good game. Oh, my gosh. I'm checking out these game scores. Look at this one. 53.2 for LeBron against the Wizards earlier this year. That's impressive. It's great. All right, but we, we digressed a little bit. I, I say four okay. future Hall of Famers. I, I say four future Hall of Famers. Hot take five. Is Steve Kerr already in? Ooh. That's a, ooh, let me check. Because like, he will be. Yeah, yeah, As a coach, definitely. I don't think he is yet, but I think he would be as a coach. Where, where is it? Where's the link I was looking at? I don't know where it went. Oh, no. Um, okay, while, while, I got it. While we're looking at it. Oh, I, I, I left the link. Okay. 
Are we ready to jump into the next question? I think we are, but I think it, it's possible that uh, other players on the Warriors could be in the Hall of Fame at some point. True. Like, uh, we, wait, wait a second. There actually is a fifth, possibly. Or six. Andre Godala. Wow. We, we, we have to open this wide. Wow. Andre Godala. What about David West? Also David West, possibly. But I, I, th- I think Godala is probably a better, a better chance. Because, like, he was the guy back in Philly. I don't know. It might be a, it might be a reach. But, like, first career, he's got solid numbers. But in, he's, he's, not, had, he's sacrificed numbers over the years be, to, to be a part of this. Between in, when he was young, okay, so between 2006, 2007, and 2010, he aver- here are his averages. 18.5, 5.4, 5.8 rebounds. Not bad. And, and I, I don't think, know. I don't know if he's all favorite. Wasn't the MVP of the of last last year's finals or twenty fifteen? He was twenty fifteen. He was the MVP, finals MVP. So potentially, I wouldn't say he's a given. He's necessarily a Hall of Famer. Right, but just someone to keep in mind. They actually, I think they actually say it on on um on here. They say um. They say the um, like a, the like Hall of Fame or... probability is two point eight percent. Let's see what they say about Draymond. Yeah, let's see what they say. Can you pull up Clay? Yeah, I got it. I wonder who writes those numbers. I think it's like some sort of like the, it's probably some algorithm or something. Only fourteen percent for Draymond. I That's think it's for much Clay. much higher than they that. They say for Clay. They say twelve point eight percent. I don't like that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like they're underrating. They're they're under they're undervaluing the the Steph Curry ninety nine. That okay. sounds that good. sounds right. LeBron James. I think LeBron James is one hundred percent. I bet hundred percent. We're gonna look up one more, then we're done. Hundred percent. Percent. I want to look up Kyrie Irving. Ooh, interesting. It should be nice. This is cool, guys. Check out Basketball Reference. They have a lot of cool stuff, like a lot of really cool different things that you don't usually find just in the main stats. I fundamentally disagree with that. Thirty-six percent chance. You think he has a higher chance? Much higher. Really. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that just might might be like recency bias that like we're so he, used to watching Kyrie because a lot of guys have had seasons like like a few seasons no, like da- this. Daniel, he has like a world be free or meta, sleepy Floyd. Meta, meta world, please, peace. Oh, guys. world be free. World be free is a real on the casa. Good guard, yeah. Okay, I think we got to got to get moving to the next yeah, question. Let's keep it rolling. Um, what's your final? Wait, wait. Matchup? So our final answer to that was four, four. If we're counting Steve Kerr, no, five. Five. If we're counting Steve Kerr. Right. Player. Yeah, we're going with four. Good call, Daniel. Um, so, Daniel, in your eyes, what's your finals matchup prediction? And how many games will it take each team to get out of their conference? Okay, so I not so famously said on one of our previous podcasts that I thought it would be Pelican Sixers. <laughs> that was my hot take. I didn't like actually think that was my hot take. So you're saying we don't believe in our hot take? No, I said like if Steph, not, not necessarily, but if Steph doesn't come back. Steph came back, and that was, that was you know, yeah. the difference. Um, I think the Warriors will win in seven against Houston. And I think the Cavs will win in six against Boston. And we have Warriors-Cavs take four. I want the Rockets badly. Uh, I think but Warriors... That, but I, I think that's, but that's a different mailbag question. Right. Oh, we'll get to that. Okay. We'll get to that. Warriors in six. Cavs... I want to say five, but I'm going to go with six. Against, against the Celtics? You're, we're against saying the Celtics, Celtics probably? Yes. That's yes. a different mailbag question also. Good job by our mailbag question asking These are us. lit. They're, they're leading us into our talking Daniel, piece. can we remind our listeners what segment this is? 
Wait. Oh no, I did I messed it, it goes, up. Sorry. It goes. Mailbag. No, no. Here what? we go. We already forgot it. Okay, we got to go back to the film. <laughs> View the tape. Mailbag. Mailbag. Yeah. No, what is that? It is not what it is at all. <laughs> it had it was it had a great ring here to it. Here we go, man. No, no. no. You see, he's a Brownies fan. Here that's, we that's, go, Brownies. Here we go. Whoa, a baritone. But okay, you guys, the Browns didn't make Acapella up. Acapella groups, chant. you know where to find me. Yeah, actually, <laughs> uh, what? The, the Browns didn't make up. Here we go, blank. Here we go. They, I don't think the Browns made that up. Who do you think did LeBronto Raptors? Who, no, who made it uh, up? I don't know. Like, I just had to throw in LeBronto. Yeah, but shout out to LeBronto. Daniel, let's keep this thing rocking and rolling. Okay. Um, do you think those Sixers have a legitimate chance of coming back? Well, let's see what's going on right now. <laughs> We'd like to thank the NBA for – is it the 7 o'clock game? Oh, no, it starts at 8. Never mind. Um, no, I think the Celtics will win tonight. Uh, the game starts in 15 minutes from when we're recording. I'm going to take an annoying answer. I think there's a chance because there's always a chance, oh, but yeah. I'm going to go with no. I don't, I don't think they will come back. There's obviously a chance. The Sixers are talented enough, and if T.J. McConnell gets going like he did in game four – Daniel, know. I love T.J. McConnell, but when you say if T.J. McConnell gets going, it makes me a little nervous. Because like, if Matthew Delvadova shows up, right? Of course they will. Right. <laughs> right. But no, okay. Quick, zero dark trivia. It's a two part. Actually, no. I always ask this one. T.J. McConnell, where do you go to college? Arizona. Correct. A follow up, Clay Thompson, where he go to college? I know this. Give me the first letter of the school. No. He was a top ten pick. No, he wasn't. He was a lottery pick. I think he twelve. He was like oh what? Yeah, twelve. I think. Are you sure? I thought he was the eighth pick in the draft. I don't think he was. Steph was seventh. He was. He was picked after Jan Vesely. Shout out to Jan Vesely in that draft. Come on, the pod, bro. He was drafted eleventh. Eleven. Okay, cool. Oh, shoot. Is he number 11? It's on page. Yeah. You think that's why? Maybe. Where did he go to college? INC. It was on page. Shoot. <laughs> INC. Okay, Washington State. Yeah. Husky. No, not Husky. That's Washington. Um, Cougar. Cougar. Yeah. Cool beans. Um, what were we... Do we answer the question? Okay, they have a legitimate chance. I think they, they, the, the roster's talented enough. You know what I'm kind of confused about? What? Where's Markel Fultz? On the bench. He's been a great teammate this entire time. You need a little heat to come back from a 3-0 and now a 3-1 deficit. You need to bring something new out. Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're big fans of Markel Fultz. We like to see him get a chance. You know, they're already like, you know, see what happens. Make the Celtics regret trading down. Love that. Would the Cleveland Cavaliers rather face Houston or Golden State in the finals? In my eyes, it's really simple. Rockets. Yeah, of course they'd rather see the Rockets. The Golden, Golden State. Not of course, but. They, Kevin they, Durant is on another level. There's, I mean, everyone knows, you know? But I, I think the key is. Uh, I think the Cavs match up very well with the, the Rockets from the fact. I think putting George Hill on, a Chris Paul is, uh, on Chris Paul as a matchup, you have to like as a Cavs fan. I think uh, JR taking Harden with Stints of LeBron on. Uh, Harden as well. I think that's great for the Cavs and Clint Capelli will figure it out. You right. know, maybe you stretch him out with K Love, spread the floor. Maybe Tristan gets some time off. Right. Maybe, I think maybe you throw throw Larry Nance at him a little bit. Oh yeah, Auntie Zizic, like whatever. It's all good. Shout out to Auntie Zizic and Chetty. And Chetty, obviously. Of course. Daniel, 
Yeah. I love this last question. I love all these questions. Yeah. But this one's great. At the end, we have to give a shout out to everyone who said them. True. Should Coach of the Year be about more... In the NBA, in the NBA. Should Coach of the Year in the NBA be about more than just which team most overachieved preseason projections? Um, I think yes. Yeah. I, I think... I think that's where it comes down to most, but I think also you have to just kind of just use your eyes a little bit, kind of like what you would in an, M- in an MVP race. You can't just look at the stats. Sometimes like the stats are so like, so clear that you, you have to accept them, but like I, I think it, it does make a big difference. Like, like if you have the like the Celtics were like were supposed to be great. <laughs> that's the I was that's, that's say the that. thing. The yeah. Celtics were supposed to be great, but they also dealt they dealt with so much adversity. And now look at what they're doing with Brad Stevens. So like Brad, Brad Stevens has to, should, should be the coach of the year. But I, I but think, it's not just about preseason like matching right. up the win totals because so many things happen in the course of a season where it's not so cut and dry. In my eyes, it's similar to the MVP voting, or at least what the MVP voting should be. Uh, stats are important component, but also like guys, LeBron is literally playing. It's not about. It's not about. It's not about LeBron. No, I and know. Coaches. No, but Ty I'm saying. Luke. At the end of the day, Brad Stevens. Okay, next year's gonna have a ton of talent, right? Right. Like he should. Um. Uh, 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 interesting. I don't know. I don't it, know. It, it is a tough question because we take like, it year by year. Yeah, this year it's got to be Brad Stevens. But I I think it's like it's something that there is a quantitative value of a coach, and that's wins. But at the same time, like there are so many factors in that, and that like it's not like okay, so you give put the Celtics give give the Celtics, I don't know, name name a coach. Maurice Claiborne. (laughs) Maurice, what? Yeah. Who's the coach? Uh, Dallas Cowboys former cornerback. No, no, it's Morris Claiborne. What did I say? It's Maurice Claiborne. Is it Morris? Morris. Morris. Yeah. yeah. That's why I was confused. Okay. A real coach, say it's like um, Stan Van Gundy. You just, no, you just no, 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 no. Is that uh, not nice? Putney. Putney. What's Pr- his name? Prudy? No. Prudy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim Prudy? No, Prunty. 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 Joe Prunty. Phil, Joe, Joe, Joe Prunty. Joe, Joe so Joe Prunty probably does not get out of the first, like, does not do the same thing that Brad Stevens is doing with the Celtics. Just, yeah. And, like, you can look at it that way, but at the same time, like, it's hard because, like, do you, like, what about Quinn Snyder? The, the Jazz was not supposed to be very good, but they were they they were a very good team this year. Now they're a rising contender. But you say, okay, well Donovan Mitchell's a beast. So it's hard because like the players play the game, the coaches are on the sideline. So where do you draw the line? So that's our answer. And um, that's our mailbag segment. To, yeah. On Daniel mailbag. Quick shout out. Let's just get all the names of yeah yeah our fans. Bitsalo Newman. Three questions from him. Nadiv Panich. Yeah. We got Alex Gelman, Jonathan Weiss. Yeah. And that's all we got. That's it, yeah. Um, for next mailbag, which will be pretty soon, send in your questions. We, yeah. you know, we can have a whole pod just mailbags and, and we'll be just mailbag questions. We'll be and, fine with that. And remember, guys, we're always open to hearing your thoughts, suggestions, positive criticism or constructive criticism, which there probably isn't any. Um, we're always open to hearing from our fans. Right. And um, should we end with a quick hot take? Sure. Yeah. So it's um, very much um, – last week I said that uh, Terry Rozier is better than Kyrie. Now I'm going to say T.J. McConnell is better than Ben Simmons. I thought you were going to say Kyrie. T.J. McConnell is also better than Kyrie. T.J. McConnell. You know, let's not even defend that one. Let's no. let it sit. Let it, sit. Let it let simmer. simmer. It's there. It's there. You guys heard it here first. Yeah. The Sock and Chuff Pod. Have a good night, everyone. Or good afternoon or yeah. morning. Have a good one. Have a good one.